A reading from the Gospel of John. When it was evening on that day, the first day of the week, and the doors of the house where the disciples had met were locked for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples rejoiced when they saw the Lord. Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I send you. When he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you retain the sins of any, they are retained. This is the word of the Lord. Well, brothers and sisters, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. So today we are continuing our, uh, or concluding really, our three-part series on the Apostles' Creed. So if you remember, two weeks ago we looked at the first article of the Creed, I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. And we talked about creation, and we talked about this problem that we have had since the beginning, since uh, the beginning of creation, when we failed to trust our Creator, When we saw our Creator not as a heavenly Father who desired to give us every good thing, but rather as a threat, as some power which had to be uh, appeased or overcome, to be appeased with sacrifice or good behavior or moved past, moved beyond as our species developed one way or the other. And we talked about this lack of trust as the root of what we call sin. And then last week, we looked at the second article of the Creed. I believe in Jesus Christ, God's only Son. And this is what God does about this problem we have, this basic problem of not trusting our Creator, this problem of unfaith, of of sin. That God becomes human and steps into the world and comes in a a way that we can understand, that we can speak to, that we can uh, take hold of, that we can even lay hands on. And that Jesus takes our punishment uh, at the end of his life, when, uh, and he takes our punishment in a double sense. He takes the punishment which belongs to us uh, as uh, rebelling against the source of life, that death which comes, and he also takes our punishment in the sense that he takes the punishment which we deal out when we finally get God under our power, when we finally get God in a way that we think we can deal with, and we put that God to death and buried him in a tomb, and sealed the, stone, uh, the tomb with a stone, thinking we had finally gotten rid of that creator of ours. But of course, after three days, Jesus rose from the dead and returned, and this is the key. He returns not with vengeance, but with forgiveness, as our reading from the Gospel of John shows. So tonight we're at the third article of the Creed, on the Holy Spirit, and I'll just go ahead and uh, read that before I get too much farther here. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Now, often I think when we say this, when we say the creed and we get to that last part, this third article on the Holy Spirit, it sounds like a laundry list. These are the things that you have to believe, or these are the other things that we believe in, right? We believe in the Holy Spirit. We believe something about that. We believe in uh, the Holy Catholic Church, and Catholic here doesn't mean Roman Catholic. It just means worldwide. It means universal. We mean not just uh, this congregation or this synod or our denomination or even Lutherans worldwide. We mean the Christian church in all its forms. 
uh, the communion of saints, that we have a unity that comes from those who went before us and those who are coming after us. The forgiveness of sins, that seems self-explanatory. The resurrection of the body, that we look forward to a physical resurrection, not just some spiritual uh, live life in some spiritual realm somewhere. Uh, And of course, a life everlasting, a life that shows death not to be the rule of the world, but actually that uh, exception which will be overcome in the long run. But it seems, as good as these things are, it seems a bit like a laundry list, right? We just throw these things, they don't seem to have any connection with each other. But actually, all of these things are the work of the Holy Spirit. All of these things fall under uh, the action, the operation of, of the Holy Spirit. So let me read uh, Martin Luther's explanation, as he writes it in the small catechism, of this uh, third article of the Creed. Luther writes, what is this? I believe that by my own understanding or strength, I cannot believe in Jesus Christ, my Lord, or come to him. And I'm just going to pause there. Listen to that sentence again. I believe that by my own understanding or strength, that is everything that I am, mental, physical, or whatever, all that I am, I believe that I cannot believe in Jesus Christ, my Lord. That's an astonishing statement to make, that I believe, I trust, we talked about this importance of faith as the overcoming of sin, that I cannot trust, that I cannot have the faith I should, that I cannot believe. Already it's beyond our power. He continues, but instead, the Holy Spirit has called me through the gospel, has enlightened me with his gifts, has made me holy and kept me in the true faith, just as he calls, gathers, enlightens, and makes holy the whole Christian church on earth and keeps it with Jesus Christ in the one common true faith. Right here at the end, in this sort of laundry list of things, so it seems, we find something that's really distinctive something that actually is counterintuitive uh, to just about everybody, that our faith, that which we rely on, that which we depend on, that which we are justified by, saved by, isn't something we can conjure up. It's not something we can manufacture. It's not something that is in our power to get right or to have enough of, but it's actually beyond us. It's not something we can uh, accomplish. Rather, the Holy Spirit takes responsibility for that himself or herself. The Holy Spirit comes and works in us. Luther goes on, daily in this Christian church, the Holy Spirit abundantly forgives all sins, mine and those of all believers. On the last day, the Holy Spirit will raise me and all the dead and will give to me and all believers in Christ eternal life. This is most certainly true. I think often when we uh, talk about the Holy Spirit, and I've heard people say this um, both within the Lutheran Church and outside the Lutheran Church, they say, well, Lutherans don't really talk about the Holy Spirit. We don't really know what to do with the Holy Spirit. It's like uh, we we talk so much about Jesus. Maybe uh, you've heard this, but I've I've heard it said both proudly and sort of embarrassingly um, that uh, Lutherans are second article Christians, which means we focus on Jesus. I believe in Jesus Christ, the Son of God, at the exclusion of everything else. And in a sense, that's true, because we are here to preach Jesus Christ and to preach Jesus Christ crucified. This is the center of our faith. But if we think the Holy Spirit is just some add-on at the end, we're sorely mistaken. 
Because for all of uh, the victory that Jesus Christ has won, if that victory just stays there with Jesus and nothing ever happens with it, what good does it do you or me? That victory needs not to be just won. It needs to be distributed. It needs to be given. It needs to be received in our lives. And that is the work of the Holy Spirit. All of these things, the the Holy Catholic Church, the Church Universal, this is the work of the Holy Spirit. The communion of saints being united with those before and those who will come after, this is the work of the Holy Spirit. The forgiveness of sins, this is the work of the Holy Spirit. I think this is so clear in uh, that reading that I chose for today, John uh, chapter 20. Because when Jesus shows up for the disciples on that Easter evening, they are afraid. It says they are, uh, the doors uh, where they are are locked for fear of the Jews, it says. Now, of course, they're afraid. Their rabbi was just executed a few days earlier, uh, and uh, they are afraid that maybe the same thing might happen to them. But when Jesus shows up in that room, when he appears there, I wonder if they noticed him before he said anything. Now, it doesn't say anything like that in the text. This is just my own speculation. But when Jesus stands there, do they see him? And if they see him, what do they think? If they see those wounds in his hands, in his side, in his feet, maybe scars on his forehead where the thorns were, uh, maybe they can see some other marks, I don't know. What do they think? Are they happy to see Jesus? Or is this a fearful thing? After all, for some of them, especially Peter, the last thing they did was deny Jesus. The last thing they did was run away from Jesus. Rather than uh, suffering uh, bravely the fate that Jesus suffered, for the most part, they left. They abandoned him. And they've been hearing all day stories about people who have supposedly seen Jesus. In fact, a couple of them have even seen the empty tomb. But yet Jesus hasn't appeared to them. So what does Jesus think of them if Jesus is truly raised but hasn't spoken to them. When Jesus comes into the room with them and they see his wounds, is it joy that they feel or is it guilt? The accusation that this is your sin, that Jesus has taken into his own body. Up until Jesus speaks that word peace, their sin is not forgiven. It is on them. It is clinging to them and they are living according to it in fear with the doors shut. But as soon as Jesus says, peace for you, peace be with you, peace to you, then they can respond with joy when they see their Savior. Because Jesus comes back and he shows them the results of their sin and he says, all is forgiven. Peace between you and between me. The Holy Spirit forgives sins. The Holy Spirit gives faith. But the Holy Spirit doesn't do this in sort of a mystical way like we sometimes imagine reaching into your heart and flipping the faith switch and reaching into your heart and flipping the faith switch. The Holy Spirit works through words. The Holy Spirit works through Christians of all people like you and me. The Holy Spirit works uh, through uh, somebody delivering a message one to another, usually with words, but not always, saying, peace be with you. And so when Jesus gives this Holy Spirit on to these disciples, he says something profound. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven. If you retain, that means not forgive. If you retain the sins of any, they are retained. Basically, in the speaking of the word of forgiveness is the power to actually forgive someone. 
And that's why we gather like this. I mentioned this just a, a, a couple weeks ago, talking about the Holy Spirit. This is why we gather, so that the Spirit can bring us together and speak to us and set us free and forgive us. Whatever the reasons you think brought you here uh, this evening, whatever those immediate causes, whether it was uh, the desire to have some good food or, or maybe you liked the music or maybe you were just bored, I don't know, the Holy Spirit was drawing you here, gathering you together. And whatever the reasons you think brought me here, uh, maybe it's uh, the fact that I have a job, I'm paid to do this, whatever those reasons are, the Holy Spirit was gathering me here as well so that I could speak a word to you. And that word is the same word that Jesus spoke to those disciples. It's the same word that's been spoken uh, by Christians day in and day out, daily and abundantly, as Luther says, throughout the history of the church. And that word is peace be with you. For in the name of Jesus Christ, I forgive you your sin. It's gone. It's released. There is no need to hide in fear, to lock the doors. You are free. You are free, and the Holy Spirit has brought this about. Amen.